So you're uh, you get a chance to actually listen to the um, the the piano that I've been putting in at the at the end of each episode. I did. Yes, it's just really lovely. Yeah, I think it's a nice yeah. way to end. Yeah, he's, you know, whatever we converse about. Yeah, so and good for um, you. <clears throat> when uh, I, I found it on, it's on um, open on YouTube. So hopefully, you know, that we're putting it back on YouTube a second time in part. Nothing has come back as it having been copywritten, protected yet, okay. copyright protected yet or copywritten. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, all of our episodes are still up. YouTube hasn't slammed it yet. So uh, and Very they good. scan it when we upload it. So. Very good. Very good. So. What I wanted to talk about, again, a throwback yeah. to a previous episode, we talked a little right. bit. I um, think that's a great lesson, though, you know. Friday. Go ahead, what? Well, I was just going to say, you know, with all of, I never had you for English. I had you for gifted English. Yeah. Which, if I remember in junior high, was only like two days a week or three days a week, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and for even, yeah, I got that lesson from history, you know, being a history and political science major, but it never really occurred to me that literature is very much also potentially repetitive because nobody read it the first time. When, when you say literature is practice and you made the point in that last episode that you were about to refer to that you know we can learn and and you know repeat ourselves or not repeat ourselves depending on what we need to do based on those lessons right right and the right. first thing that i thought about that's probably interpreted too literally <laughs> is the bible i think there's okay. a lot of history in the bible having read it from front to back but i also think it's a lot of fables Oh, yes. That are trying to do exactly what you're talking about. Well, Christ was notable for his, what, parables. They're stories yeah. that help us understand, right. you know, analogies. My son is really good with analogies and will take a complex idea and say, okay, it's like this. And it becomes so much simpler to understand via the story, via the comparison. But what I like about literature is that it allows me, it allows me to look at a person described, or you, you watch a person in a piece of fiction, you know, and some people turn up their noses at fiction and say, well, it's not true, therefore it doesn't matter. But it does because it allows you to inhabit the mind and the heart and the soul of perhaps somebody slightly different. And allows you to live their life and experience what they experience and say, oh, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to be that person. That's really not, not the way, what I value. But it allows you to practice being somebody else and deciding whether you want to continue to be somebody else in your very, very own life. That's what I love about it. And by the way, I just want to, I don't want to miss this opportunity this time. The literature is practice come and the and the idea of stories can save us comes from a guy named Tim O'Brien. Uh, 
he wrote a book called The Things They Carried, which are stories about soldiers from Vietnam. And I read about this literature as practice and stories can save us from a column that uh, a fellow, and I don't have his first name. I only took a photo of the end of the article, end of the column, but his last name is McQuaid. And he wrote, tell me who we were. And he's a teacher at Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts. And I found both of those, I, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued by, by the comments that both of those gentlemen made. And uh, I, I think they're just astounding. So again, Tim O'Brien in the things they carried and somebody McQuaid uh, in tell me who we were. So I need to investigate those and maybe read them. When I'm not doing anything else, Yergs, <laughs> which may not yeah, happen which, for, yeah. for a while. Yeah. Was the second, I, I missed that. Was the second one McQuaid, was, was that, uh, was that Vietnam oriented as well? Mm, I don't know. He didn't say okay. he, okay. um, or at least I didn't pick that up. I'll, I'll read the portion of the article again and get back to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I copied the end of the column on my phone and so I don't have the entire piece. But what I was reminded yeah, okay. of, what I was reminded of that I thought you might enjoy, um, thought that you might enjoy, was um, a oh, theory, one of my favorite that I learned about in graduate school. It's Lawrence Kohlberg, who was a professor, I think, at Harvard University. And he came up with this theory of moral development. And let me take just a couple minutes and tell you about it, because I love it. Anyway, it, it helped me understand my fellow human beings so much better and why some people bothered me and some people didn't, why I agreed with some and why I agree, disagreed with others. Why, it helped me understand why children sometimes can't really, are really in conflict with their parents. It helped me understand why some students were in conflict with their teachers. So here it is. Lawrence Kohlberg proposed that just as we grow up physically and go from learning to sit up, to crawling, to walking, to running, we also grow up morally. There are six levels, he suggests. And as we progress throughout our lives, we behave differently, or maybe we behave the same, but for a different reason. And it's the reasons, it's the why that we behave the way we do that is important. He suggests that, like I said, that there are, there are six levels and that, you know, by the age of two, if we have an outgrown level two, we probably never will and we'll be stuck there. If by junior high, we don't grow out of his level three. We probably never will. And we'll be stuck there. Right. Same with level four, level five. The highest level is six. And um, probably the, um, the model for level six behavior is Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and of course, like any growth process, you're not, automatically, you know, you don't automatically jump, let's say, to level three and stay there. 
sometimes we go, sometimes we regress until we grow solid, shall we say, in that particular level. So it's, 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 it's fluid. It's fluid. It's right. fluid. Okay. So, um, like I said, it's the why that we behave the way we behave. That is really important. Now, let me go through the levels with you. Okay. Well, Level I, can one. Say I can relate already. Okay, go ahead. Do you want to guess? I, I'm well, not not as far as like a name or qualification for each level or anything, but two things that immediately come to mind. One, when you just said about regressing. Okay. You know, that reminded me of because you said you wanted to also elaborate on my PTSD. Okay. You know, is that you know, something that, you know, am I interpreting that right? Like when somebody has some sort of life altering event or, or, or treatment or a relationship or something that it sends them back to like a childhood type back when they were safe. It could. Yeah. And that speaks more to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think. And that's, yeah, that's a ladder thing too. And I would see that you're, that talking about PTSD would regret would take somebody back to a need for physical safety, you know, for those basic yeah. needs um, as a result of the traumatic experience. I think it relates more to Maslow than it does to the, the, the morality level. But let me explain to you what they are. And maybe you can help me understand how PTSD fits in there. Okay. All right. Okay, so ahead. level one, level one, you're a baby, you're a baby. And the only thing you care about is meeting your own needs. You don't care if in the middle of the night you're screaming and your parents haven't slept for four days. You don't care. What you need is food or a change of diaper or just somebody to pay attention to you. That's level one. Right. Okay. And, <clears throat> you know, y- y- you think about some of the people you know who really don't care about anybody else's needs but their own. They are morally retarded. Level two is more like the toddler. You know, he reacts to reward and punishment. Um, I remember, you know, the the example I used to give my students was when my son would be eating applesauce, you know, and he thought it was funny to blow it in my face, right? Until he saw the (laughs) unhappy mommy face. And so he quit doing that because it was not rewarding for him in any kind of way, you know, to blow applesauce any longer in mommy's face. But there are people, shall we say, who will do anything for money. Yeah. Those people are level two. And if they haven't grown out of it by the time they are two and a half, three years old, they probably never will and are probably morally retarded. And I think we have a lot of those people. I think one was recently president. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I don't think he's past level one. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Okay. Level three has to do with, um, you know, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. But if you're not nice to me, I'm not going to be nice to you. You scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. It's the whole, what do you say, lobbying. Right. Yeah. That kind of manipulative kind of, you know, stuff that goes on in, you know, in junior, there's a lot of that in junior high. That's what I saw in junior high. You know, it's the mean girls 
You know, they stick together. Right. They don't right. care necessarily. The cool kids. Exactly. They that was care. that's right there is actually the other thing that came to mind when you started first started talking about this. Remember when I began uh, my first article for the expression was from Anthony Hopkins. Yes. But then I had Hurricane Adelia and yep. I wrote about, you know, the, the resolution of making it through that. His quote was the the best of us, I think, is it mature or develop later? Right. After in, high school. <clears throat> excuse me. In high school, I was an idiot. And this gets into like, you know, did you peak in high school or are you still living a, a decent, productive life? Uh, but anyway, that's, that's what came to mind when, when you said about these different levels and you can go back and forward and and like, or be stuck, uh, the ones who would peak in high school and continue living that thought. And, you know, it's appropriate, you know, to be level three at a certain age. I mean, because that's how you understand people. That's how you go through life. That's how that, but, you know, it is hoped at least by Kohlberg you know, that one grows out of that after junior high. Level four, level four is, um, level four is law and order. We follow the rules of the game, the laws of the land, no matter what they are. Okay. There are no exceptions. And of course, we're seeing a lot of that in a lot of different areas in our life today. And thank God, most 75% of Americans, at least back in the days when I taught this, 75 or and learned it, 75% of Americans operated at a level four. And we're grateful for that. I mean, right. you know, the rule of law, the rule of law. Right. When it may be, yeah, the rule of law. So we go, we go to war. Because that's what the laws at 18, back in the day when there was the draft, you go to war because that's the law. Level threes would go to war maybe because their friends were going. Level two would go to war because they really like to shoot people. And level one just likes to play with guns, I guess. Anyway, um, the next level, level five is characterized by the phrase what the greatest good for the greatest number. So you see there are exceptions there. You behave the way you behave, you know, because the greater number of people benefit from following this particular law. Some people, you know, may it, it's not hard and fast, it's not black and white. It's you kind of take it case by case. And that's where probably we should be with abortion at a level five. Right. And I think we can safely say that the country was founded by men who operated at a level five. Okay. Level six um, is totally individual. I mean, um, you steal from the corner store in order to feed the child in your neighborhood, okay? It's not about 
the greater number. It's not about self-satisfaction. It's not about making friends and being popular. It's about taking care of an individual who needs care, no matter what the laws right. are, no matter what the rules are. Okay, And like I said, Christ is the number one example, number one model of the theory of moral development. So, you know, what I used to challenge my students was, okay, now, the last decision you had to make about one thing or another, what was the reason you made it? The decision isn't important. What's important is the reason you made it, and that will determine your level of moral development. So we can go through this week and think about decisions that we make and come back and, and, and reflect on who we've discovered we are. What level? Oh, yeah, I can go to that one already. Not that I'm some level six or anything, but it's something that I have been teaching Zach. You know, just like when we have to pull weeds in the yard, you know, I pull weeds right alongside of him. You know, I don't make him do the work and I sit there drinking a beer. Um, You know, it's more about, you know, my favorite bosses in the Secret Service were people who, whatever crappy assignment, did that assignment right alongside of us and didn't go hide in their office while we were doing all that heavy lifting. And, you know, one of them wasn't even an agent. Now, why, one did, my, one they of my last do, supervisors, why did they do that in order for the agents to like them? Leadership quality. Um, was that part of and, the rule and that was, th- that was That was the irony is that those same supervisors were the ones that didn't care if anybody liked them. But there they are getting their hands dirty anyway. And so it sounds to me like it's for the good of the company, for good of the troop, for the good of the organization. They're doing what they're doing. It sounds to me like. Yeah. And a mission. And the mission. There you go. One. The yeah. guy who was not an agent, he was what, the type, different types of support staff that we have. Uh, he was, is still in his reserve unit. He's probably late fifties. And, you know, there were different things with like COVID and um, the BLM riots. He almost got activated. He almost had to leave the secret service to go, you know, protect some community. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very mission oriented type people, but didn't make him a bad person. Like he wasn't going to sacrifice me just because, you know, that was the mission, you know, he would have sacrificed himself first. Right. Right. And he was the guy that was in, in early home late, that kind of thing. But can you see also, you know, as I said, it taught me a lot about, um, why some students couldn't deal with some teachers. They were on different levels. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's, uh, that's, I think, also, that, that was also part of the fault of the teacher, too, is if, if they could not Well, that's what I'm that. saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, some yeah. kids operate at a higher level of moral development than their parents or their teachers, and helping the kids recognize who they were and maybe have a little bit understanding or consideration for who other people might be and how they're behaving help them 
manage their way with certain other people. You know, like it, in some cases, it would give them more confidence to understand that. What's his name, teacher, who said, you know, you're here when the bell starts or else you're in detention. Maybe a little too level four, a little too rule oriented and not taking into consideration yeah, yeah. that maybe the kid had a problem in the bathroom that caused him to be late. That wasn't, a, that wasn't an issue. You were late. You go to the principal's office. And helping a student, for example, understand that maybe where he was operating or what the situation demanded was not what the teacher, where the teacher came from, caused some conflict, caused some self-doubt in the student that wasn't necessarily appropriate, you know, and it works the other way as well. I mean, I can remember as a young teacher treating every student as if they were a level five and junior high kids are not there. Many of them need reward and punishment in order to stay alive, (laughs) stay alive in order to evolve, you know? And so I had to, because I started teaching at a senior high level and my style of teaching as a senior high teacher was different, had to be different than the style of teaching that I operated on as a junior high, because the kids weren't grown up enough, you know, in a word, but have understanding Kohlberg allowed me just to deal with the differences without any stigma involved. That's just who they were. They weren't grown up yet enough. It's okay. Let me help you. And that's, that's our job. That's our job as teachers or as parents or as human being, fellow human beings. And that is to give a people a different way to look at things a different perspective. If we are at a level four or a level five, shall we say, and we're dealing with a level, one level below us, it's our job to help that person understand the next level so that they can grow. Now, Kohlberg also suggests, I almost forgot this part. He also suggests that if you are, and I think of our former president, if you are dealing with somebody at least two levels below who you are, forget it. You can't talk to them about a level, two levels above where they are. They don't, won't understand. You got to get down to one level above and help them grow up a little bit at a time. I think it's fascinating. I just watched something past couple of It's about an hour and a half long. So it, it took me a couple of nights in bed to, to get through the whole thing. Something on YouTube called Unfit. It was actually done Ooh. back in 2020 focusing on, uh, you know, our individual, uh, the, the topic of discussion right now. Um, and that's kind of what some of the psychiatrists and psychologists in it said is that you can't just call Trump supporters stupid because there's a side of them that doesn't agree with Trump, but he's appealing to them because even though he's lying to them, he's befriending them. Yeah, they are level three. And the Democrats were demonizing mm-hmm. the thoughts of the Republicans. Mm-hmm. And and that's how he, one of the ways, you know, Russia not discussed, how he got the crowd over him instead of Hillary mm-hmm. in 16. Well, one of the things I used to teach 
in persuasive speaking. I don't know if I talked to you about this. I may have. If so, I apologize for repeating myself. But in persuasive speaking, when you're giving a persuasive speech, you need to appeal. You need to establish your authority. You need to let people know you know what you're talking about. And so you give them your resume or you give them facts and statistics or you do whatever it takes. And I watch you do that in Up the Middle, and I admire you for that. You give information to allow people to feel comfortable listening to you. Okay. You're not just words. You've got substance. A second part in persuasive speaking is you've got to, as you, you've got to hit the heart. You've got to grab people yeah. emotionally so that they care about you. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And that's why Trump won over Hillary because he was able to connect with people's feelings And so there are a variety of ways, and I used to love talking with kids about in their persuasive speeches how they were going to grab their audience's emotions, because there are a variety of ways to do that. It sounds very manipulative, and I suppose it is in essence, but... um, It is, yeah. Yeah, it is. The third part of persuasive speech is to establish the occasion. Uh, We've got to say... Here's the problem. Let me tell you what it is. Here's what we're confronting today. And, you know, and again, you establish your authority by, you know, by giving by giving facts and statistics, perhaps, and you develop the emotion by saying how it's going to affect you or your family or, you know, the future or whatever. So it's the occasion. Here's what's happening. Act now. We've got to act now. You've got to, you know, you've got to get that people to, to care that it's, that it's imminent. And then the last part in this persuasive speech is here's how. Act now. Here's how. Here's what you can do today. Because if you just give people the problem without any way to solve it, they'll go away. They won't, they can't pay attention because it's, it's like, Nothing to be done, like waiting for Godot. Nothing to be done. So, head. That's heart, a huge thing ears, right now with. Pardon me. I, so, I, just that's a huge thing right now with the economy, is yeah. that I'm looking at numbers and seeing that the economy is holy shit better than when Trump was in office. But so many people are saying, "Well, I could pay my bills under Trump." That's because you wanted to, because you were happy, because your guy was in the White House. Nothing has changed for you in the past eight years. I said that if you can't pay your bills now, tell me why I took a 35% pay cut from one administration to the other, and I'm now saving money. Wow. Went from 160000 a year to 60000 a year. Wow. Well, let me let me qualify those numbers. Hundred and sixty is before taxes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what I actually uh, uh, and and sixty right now because my taxes are taken out right away, and I'm right. basically doing the math. You know, I take yeah. home sixty thousand a year right now, so that gross would be closer to the hundred and sixty slightly, but not a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, but, uh, we yes, must I'm be. Saving money. We, we must 
concentrate on what people can do to help themselves, you know, and what yeah. they can do to make and, a change that they, that they think the economy needs, that they think, you know, uh, society needs or whatever, because without any clear direction, it, you get to feeling hopeless and cynical and negative. And I got to admit, I'm kind of there right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. see a way um, out. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden's not my first choice, but he's better than the predecessor. Yeah. 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 And even if you don't like. Yeah. I don't think. I would rather vote for an old guy. Yeah. Who needs a nap. (laughs) And then turn around in four more years and and vote for, you know, somebody else. Mm Mm-hmm then vote for an old guy that doesn't care about us at all and never vote again. Yeah. Because that's what's next. Yes. I totally agree. And I'm very, 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 very worried about it. Yep. Yep. I really am. His staff flat out told me. I don't think Biden would have run for president at all had there not been Charlottesville. And the danger he saw in, you know, in a second term. And I certainly don't yeah. think he would run if it were up to him. I don't think he would be running in 2024 if he saw a better alternative. I really, really don't. I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. Um, but I don't see an alternative. At least not today. There's so many things about that that I I'm still would love to look into someday later to see how this really came to play. But if if you know if you remember the Democrats were still in their primaries when um, in 2020 when COVID was more realized because of course at first it was it wasn't going to be a big thing and then it was a hoax and whatever else you know Trump mm-hmm. was calling it you know people started dying and in numbers mm-hmm. and I think the Democrats got together. And just basically, because the three that were really left were Biden, Buttigieg, or however you pronounce his last name, who was the guy that I was actually for before I even realized he was gay. Yeah, and Bernie. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Bernie and Pete just disappeared, and willingly. And it was all about Biden all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And they kind of said it, that this whole COVID thing is going to be a thing and and we need somebody to deal with it and we need to be focused on that now. The guy in there currently ain't going to be the one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think think the only reason Biden is running again is I don't think he's going to have any problem with the second term. I think his problem is going to be the second campaign. Right. And I said that six months ago. Yeah. And now all the other political pundits are starting to say it too, that, and I've been there. I've been on presidential campaigns for the last 21 years. This is the first presidential, this is the first presidential campaign I've not been a part of since uh, 1996. Wow. Everyone since from 2000 till 20. You know, I've had something to do with. And um, 
And that was the year in 96, by the way, was the, the, the first of two years I was in professional baseball. So I wasn't going to have anything then, but, um, uh, Pete is going to be, and I said this on our show before, he's going to be a future president somewhere. Uh, I won't, I won't say that he's going to be the next because it's really hard to keep after, if you just look back at our history very few vice presidents or other, you know, party members followed a two-term president. You know, George right. H.W. Bush did after Reagan, right. but then right. he wasn't right. a second-term president. Right. Uh, Gore did not follow Clinton. Right. Uh, nobody followed right. Bush Jr. Yeah. And, you know, Hillary was not successful after Obama. Yep, yep, yep. And, um, well, I mean, the last time we had four of the same party was FDR and that was him. Yeah. Well, let's, let's agree. And, and so to talk. we got to, we got to expect there's going to be a Republican coming soon. Yep. Yep. And, and, yep. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But which one is it going to depends be? Depends which, yeah, depends which one it's going to be. Well, let's talk politics for sure in our next episode. What do you think? Because I think we're probably at our Definitely. 40 minute again. Are we? Yeah, you're a little over now. Yeah. So I have, I have, let's talk politics next time. And, um, Definitely. I have, and I have, I have something else I want to talk about next time. So, okay. I want to, I, I want to talk about toxic positivity because oh, in, the yes. news, in the news in this last week why a missing school district or in why missing they decided to create signs like a hundred and some signs with positive messages on them and put them around the community because they are concerned about the mental health of young people especially but people in general. And yet I had a friend send me an article about all this, what she called toxic positivity that is dangerous to people who are struggling. So I want to talk, I want, I want your thoughts about that next time. Okay. Okay. Definitely. Right. Where can we find you? You can find me on Spotify, uh, my be inspired podcast or on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're a reader instead, you can find me at on the Boyertown Area Expression, which is a digital news site, and subscribe to the uh, newsletter that comes to your email every day. If you don't want to subscribe, you can go there on Google at Boyertown Area Expression dot town dot news and find us there. Okay. And I also and want to put out. definitely worth a read. Thank you. And definitely uh, send us your thoughts about what we've talked about here. If you disagree, if you agree, if you've got a topic that you want to hear us talk a little bit about, let us know what you want. Okay. And, and you guys you can put that in the you. show notes or, or, or not the show notes, but the comments. Uh, you can go to yergs.com to the contact page. Uh, if you know Jane, you can email her, you can email me, whatever. 
anywhere you want to know or anything you want to know about me, you can find it at yergs.com. Uh, the radio show is five days a week at 530 Eastern uh, for about an hour or so. You can call me there. It is one triple eight eighty eight yergs You can email me, yergs at yergs.com. The podcast up the middle is we're trying to get that back to two times a week. Uh, that's where we talk about politics from both the left and the right. And, of course, I'm here on both sides now. And, uh, ah, yes, Doggy Traders starts later this month. We're bringing that back uh, after a summer off from day trading. Do you so, sleep? Yeah. Do you ever sleep? I just need to know a little bit. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I'm trying to get back to getting up earlier in the morning and having okay. a day. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was up to, again last night till almost three because I had wow. taken a hour nap uh, yeah. at around 6.30 last night and didn't get up till 8.30. Wow. 8.30 in the evening, I'm waking up from a nap. And I'm like, really? It's going to be another <laughs> one of those nights. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, take care. I'm Jane Stahl. Another good one, my dear. All right. Okay. I'll take see care. everybody in the next episode. Bye.